When a person falls out a window, what does he always fall against? Hello, and welcome to episode 145 of Under the Call of MS. Yes, that is a puzzle, and you have to figure it out. And I will hopefully remember to give you the answer coming up in, <laughs> later on in the episode. But who knows, I might forget. <laughs> Today is well, the second day of April. We missed out on doing an April Fool's joke. I should have done something for that yesterday. But uh, we will do a MS Deep Dives episode today. Let's get into a bunch of random MS stuff so I can clean up some of my loose paperwork I got laying around here and see where where we get we got anything useful for anybody talk about MS and emotions no two people with MS are the same individual disease progression will vary and will also depend on other factors such as which symptoms were present earlier how early have been how early and effective MS disease-modifying therapies have been, and whether your symptoms can be managed with uh, available treatments. Some symptoms worsen because of the production of new lesions, whereas others worsen over time because of neuronal damage, neuronal, neuronal, during the disease course once relapses have ceased. Many MS symptoms don't simply create physical challenges, but emotional ones as well. Depression is one of the most widely reported emotional MS symptoms. While most with MS will experience low or bad days, the highest frequency of depression in the MS community is among those who have had a prior history of depression. Anxiety is another widely reported emotional challenge among the MS population, and it is easy to see why. MS symptoms are unpredictable and can wreak havoc with your need to plan and prepare for life and tasks of daily living. Grief is another prevalent emotional challenge for the MS community. It is defined as a profound sadness in response to change or loss. And along with grief and depression and emotional anxiety and all that causes can cause us to have our systems exasperated, amplified, and just make us sicker in the future. So got to keep those things in check. Chronic illness, it is typical to grieve initially with the diagnosis and then feel moments of loss again whenever a symptom returns or affects your functioning. Grief is considered to be a necess necessary first step in coping with a chronic illness, and if it is blocked, further psychological well-being will be limited. It's like right now with me going through my crap cap phase of my infusion, all my symptoms are amped up, so I'm depressed, but thankfully, it's not really nice out yet, but 
sadly, in a couple of days, it's supposedly supposed to hit the 70s here in Wisconsin. And I've been gradually getting some yard work done and getting everything ready for spring. I think I will have to pick up the lawnmower this week and get that ready to go because if we're going to hit 70s, we're going to have to mow the lawn in about a week or two. Even though it's still going to hit freezing tonight, it's like you have those nighttime frost and daytime heat. Plants and grass are all confused. Capacity to mourn the losses caused by MS and experience. Post-traumatic growth are key factors to coping well over time. All those psychiatric conditions are high among individuals living with MS. Many do not exhibit clinically significant levels of anxiety, depression, or other serious mental disorders. I still, myself, would like to sit down with a psychiatrist one of these days and dump a bunch of stuff on them, but I'm going to have to find some different one down the road. I was hoping my new neurologist would be able to do it since that's one of his specialties. I guess not. Still not getting back to me on CPAP stuff. (laughs) They may be experienced deeply or intensely, but they eventually fade to return again when a challenge reemerges. The ability to react, respond, and shift between feelings of pain or loss and to continue to engage and make meaning promotes resiliency. Post-traumatic growth involves resiliency but also includes a willingness to find ways to appreciate life, developing increased personal strength or growth in one's relationship, rediscovering or redefining purpose and meaning in life. And a lot of times we just fake our feelings to get through life, not have people question things and comment on certain stuff that's just going to cause us grief. Grief, loss, pain, depression, anxiety, and other challenges of MS, whatever distress distress the disease brings, need to be met and responded to. Work it out with your doctor. Talk to him about what's going on, him or her, and see what kind of programs and regimens and medications they can get you on to help you with whatever you're dealing with. Positivity is a quality that you can develop. Try incorporating these strategies. Reframing, which is identify the negative thoughts you have about your situation and try to look at them in a different light. Finding meaning. Take the question, why me? And answer it in a way that gives some meaning to you to your having MS. Whatever the answer to that question is, make sure it rings true to you. Don't try and speak for others or think of other things. Just focus on what you're dealing with. Be real. Having a positive outlook doesn't mean ignoring your negative feelings. Express them. Just don't get stuck in them. If you find yourself rehashing the negative again and again, be determined to 
put your focus elsewhere for a while. Come back to the problem when you are calm enough to look for realistic solutions. See if you can help yourself figure it out then. A thing that a lot of us don't hear about that was more representative back in the days, probably pre-2018 or so, you'd hear more about clinically isolated syndromes. But now you just hear of the relapsing remitting MS, the secondary progressive MS, and the primary progressive MS. You really don't hear much of the clinically isolated syndrome or just the uh, relapsing MS or progressive MS. Uh, They stick more with the RRMS, PPMS, and the... SPMS. The starting point for relapsing remitting MS is clinically isolated syndrome. CIS is the very first clinical attack or relapse of relapsing remitting MS. But not every person who experiences a CIS will go on to develop MS. CIS may manifest as transverse myelitis, optic neuritis, or a brainstem syndrome. While these are most common forms of clinically isolated syndrome, there are countless other variations of clinically isolated syndrome, depending on where in the central nervous system the lesion is. Transverse myelitis is inflammatory demyelination in the spinal cord. This could result in changes in sensation, weaknesses in in coordination, or changes in bladder and bowel function. Depending on whether the inflammation is in the cervical spinal cord or the thoracic spinal cord, transverse myelitis may involve only the legs or both the arms and the legs. Optic neuritis is inflammatory demyelination. In the optic nerve, optic neuritis typically results in blurred vision in the affected eye, loss of color, especially sensitivity to the color red, and pain with eye movement. Demyelination within the brainstem can cause double vision, facial weaknesses, trigeminal neuralgia, weakness or incoordination, stroke. Uh, stroke-like feelings. <laughs> uh, yeah, as far as that red thing, that color red, I heard about that before, and I just totally forgot about it till now. But if you are having a sensitivity with optic neuritis type style issues, check it out. See if the color red does affect what you're seeing, what you're dealing with, and see that might help you understand the trigger effect more. While we typically think of relapse and remitting MS as beginning with the first attack or CIS, we know MS likely begins even earlier. Another possible early manifestation of MS is radiographic isolated syndrome, RIS. 
These are brain MRI changes typical for MS in the ab absence of symptoms. That again is why the MRI is very important and can help them catch those lesions early on and see see if there's any growth or new formations or anything like that. And then they can help decide whether or not you have MS or not. Uh, feeling alone, feeling confused, feeling different is a big thing for us. We go through a variety of different things. As our disease progresses, we become more, oh, how do you say, very alone feeling, very isolated feeling, uh, you can be around a ton of people and it's not feel like you're actually there, like you're not part of the situation and stuff, or that you're possibly causing frustration in the situation around the groups or whatever. But there's lots of different things we deal with when we're out in public and around social issues. But for many people with MS, social isolation is a longstanding problem. They may have left the workforce cut back on social engagements, and even sadly lost friends who do not know how to handle being a friend to someone with a chronic illness. Sometimes individuals with MS feel socially isolated even when we're surrounded by family and friends. It's like we just feel invisible with our invisible disease, kind of work our way to a corner and just escape reality <laughs> they may not lack company but they may lack people who understand and relate to them their loved ones may not see or may fail to grasp what a person with ms is going through when we have a history of people misunderstanding or overlooking our needs the human tendency is to wall yourself off and stop asking for help this leads to feelings of isolation, but the truth is, sometimes it's not that people don't care, it's just that they are slow to accept change, and we give up too soon on helping them understand, because we feel hurt. Be willing to be vulnerable with your family and friends, even if their lack of understanding has hurt you before, and you may find they want to be there for you. Of course, this doesn't apply to people who are intentionally callous or cruel. I'm dealing with a lot of family members that are just pissing me off lately. It's like, granted, I get it. They don't understand it. But I mean, you got the opportunity to understand it. I put a podcast out there explaining as much as I can. I mean, if you actually give a shit, Put a little effort into listening to something, but I seriously don't think a single one of my siblings listened to even one episode of my podcast to try and understand what I'm going through, but yet they make the stupidest comments when they're around me. And I'm so sick of hearing about how hard their day was or stuff like that. It's like, I'll take your job. Take my condition, I'll gladly 
go talk to people and work out during the day and actually get out and about and socialize people and do things. It's like, boo-hoo, you picked your job, deal with it, accept it, figure it out, but be appreciative that you can do something that many other people can't once they get a get a disability that takes everything like that away from their life. It's like you hate working most of your life. Find a job you enjoy. If you don't, you do what you do, but trust me, once you don't have that in your life, it's way worse than actually having to do it. Then you actually get a paycheck for it. <laughs> it's like I'm a 24-7 caretaker and I get nothing. I can't go and do my regular things anymore. I'd love to get back into cooking. I'd love to get back in mechanical work and stuff. My arms just aren't there anymore. I can't do those things, hands-on stuff, like I used to be able to, and no employer wants me around if I can't give 110% towards my job, and they're paying me to do a half-assed job. So, so you got to watch it with your employers, too, because if you got a dickhead for an employer, and they find out you have MS, there's a good possibility they'll just find a way to fire you or get rid of you, cut back things, and use excuses just so they can get rid of you. Hopefully you have a good employer that understands what's going on and works with you. If you are still in the workforce. You ever had a situation where you were unable to do something because of bone-crushing tiredness that comes from MS? <clears throat> fatigue only to have a loved one complain I'm tired too <laughs> uh, that one is uh, that one just irritates me tiredness and pain you get no concept it's totally different than what you understand that you don't have the disease but Get in the habit of saying, I'm experiencing severe MS fatigue right now. If pain is hindering you, be specific. I'm having intense muscle spasms and my pain is at a 7 out of 10 right now or whatever it is. Just explain kind of what you're going through. And for what it's worth, 90% of the time, it's not going to do a damn bit of good anyways. I explain stuff. It's just people just roll their eyes or they don't listen to a damn word you're saying. It's just so freaking irritating. It's like, why are you even asking me questions if you're not going to listen? Maybe you can't go hiking with your friends, but could you explore nature together in a park with a short accessible trail and have an outdoor picnic? Perhaps you can't mingle at a party and end up sitting in the corner feeling alone well maybe you have to sit but does it have to be away from the action park your chair near the bar or the food food concessions area instead so so that people come to you and they'll talk to you while they're waiting in line or whatever waiting around for stuff or they'll get their drink and then they'll stand there and shoot the shit with you better place to position yourself instead of being off in a corner where they're not gonna come near you 
saying the heat causes my MS symptoms to flare up. Is there any chance you'd be willing to push this back to afternoon instead of morning time, daytime, when it starts to cool down a bit? Have the party, at, see if they'll arrange to party at a cooler time of day. It's like I got invited to a friend's wedding party and think they were frustrated with me because I couldn't stay. But I mean, Christ, it was a July day where it had to be high 90s and I, they were outside right in the sun, no canopy, just ooze all over the place and stuff like that. And they're just having a blast because they love the heat and they can handle it. But it was just wiping me out as I was just standing there talking to people. So I didn't last long and I had a leaf. And those types of situations happen often. <clears throat> if you aren't a member of a support group, either online or in person, it's a good thing to find one. And if the one you find isn't for you, find a different one. There are people out there who get you, people that don't. You just need to find them. So play around with different ones, see what they have out there. There's tons of groups online and around communities. But... So get some DMTs out there. You got your oral DMTs, which are abagio, protective effect on brain loss volume and white matter loss. Jelenia, which is a protective effect on brain loss volume and gray matter loss in relapse and remitting MS. Mavenclad, Mavenclad. Possibly protective effect on brain volume loss in relapsing remitting MS. Mazent, protective effect on brain volume loss in relapsing remitting MS. Also, there is Tecfidera. And then you have Zaposia, which I haven't heard of that one. Slowed rate of volume loss. Cortical gray matter loss and thal thalamic volume uh, and these are basically the effects of currently approved DMTs on the brain atrophy and I'm not sure how much because we have a higher effect of brain atrophy with having MS so our brain shrinks and eats itself faster <laughs> but there's injectable DMTs like Copaxone, which is possibly protective against protective effect on gray matter loss. Interferons, which are possibly late protective effect on brain volume loss. Then there's infusions like Lemtrada, which has a protective effect on brain volume loss and relapsing remitting MS. There's Ocrevus, which I'm on, which has protective effect on brain volume loss and relapsing remitting MS and primary progressive MS. And I believe now they also classify it with secondary progressive. But don't take my word for it. To Sabri, which is protective effect on brain volume loss and relapsing MS. Then there's things like aerobic exercise, which can preserve preservation of gray matter volume in right post-central and midline cortical structures. Brutons 
tyrosine kinase inhibitors like phenobutanib, ibrutinib, evobrutinib, which have no atrophy data has been reported for those, and I've never even heard of those. There's cell-based therapies, which brain atrophy increased sharply in first two years, but decreased dramatically after the two-year period. So you get it two good years, and then it makes it worse in the long run. So that's kind of scary because I'm thinking that might be stem cell-based. Hopefully we'll hear more about that in the future. High-dose biotin. No atrophy data has been reported for that yet, but that's that B7 stuff, I believe. The ibutilast, which has decreased atrophy progression in primary and secondary progressive MS. Laquinamide has decreased brain volume loss and relapse and remitting MS. And lipoic acid, which has decreased whole brain atrophy and secondary progressive MS. And then let's get back to the answer to your question that we started out the podcast with. The question was, when a person falls out a window, what does he always fall against? Falls against his will. (laughs) Hey, with spring coming up, you might want to plant some stuff. April, April showers, spring may flowers. Well, spring is not coming up. Spring is here. But now that it's the beginning of April, uh, some gardening tips to protect against frost. Since we're still dealing with frosty nights, uh, your garden will warm up more during the day if it slopes towards the sun. A garden on a south-facing slope offers two advantages, more exposure to the sun and better drainage of cold air. Trees surrounding your garden act like a blanket and reduce the amount of heat radiating from the soil, perhaps keeping the temperature high enough to protect your plants from early fall frost. A stone wall benefits benefits the garden by acting as a heat sink, absorbing warmth from the sun during the day and radiating it slowly at night. The water in a nearby lake or pond if it is one acre or larger does the same because water will hold its Temperature for a longer period of time, the bigger the water mass is. Moisture is also a player in determining whether frost will nip your tomatoes. When moisture in the air condenses on plants and soil, heat is produced, sometimes raising the temperature enough to save the plants. On the other hand, if the air is too dry, moisture in the soil will will evaporate, removing some heat. Good soil, full of organic matter, retains moisture, reducing the rate of evaporation. Mulch also helps prevent evaporation. I would think compost would help also. Plants themselves can modify cooling. Dark ones with a maroon or bronze cast may absorb more heat during the day. And those that have been planted close together Create a canopy that entraps heat from the soil. More important, a plant's cold hardiness determines its ability to withstand colder temperatures. So prepare your garden now. It's spring. Get it all set up so it's good year-round. 
fall and spring help with frost issues. Then you can check your plants and if you get a bug up your ass on these nice 60, 70 degree days and want to start your planting, at least your plants have some protection. End it with a quick recipe here. We got a walnut parmesan topping. Walnuts are a superfood packed with omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids, vitamin E, and several essential minerals. Nutritional yeast may be a new food to you. It is the same yeast used to bake bread or make beer, but deactivated by heat and used to add a cheesy, savory flavor to foods. It is packed with B vitamins and a particularly good source of B12. Fortified versions add even more nutrients. Try it sprinkled on veggies, pastas, grains, and proteins. This is a little recipe. Your ingredients are one cup walnut pieces, one teaspoon salt, one third cup nutritional yeast flakes, and a half a teaspoon garlic powder. Not much to it. Place all the ingredients in a blender or food processor. Pulse until fine with a similar consistency to Parmesan, grated Parmesan cheese. Store in a sealed container. It will keep on the counter for a week or in the refrigerator for several weeks. You can replace the garlic powder with the savory seasonings of your choice. Try onion powder, mushroom powder, or an umami blend. Because this recipe contains salt, no need to salt vegetables if you are adding this to the top. And, bonus, and just add it to whatever you like and use it instead of like a Parmesan. Sounds good. So but that's it for today. Uh, be good to yourself. Be good to everybody else. Kick the shit out of the monster and we will get back to you soon.